reading today comes from Luke chapter 3, verse 1 through 20. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 through 20. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Arturia, and Trinitus and Linus, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the re- region around the Jordan, complaining of baptism of rep- oh my goodness. <laughs> um, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, Therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose handles I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, to clear his thrusting floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, what the shaft he will burn with unquestionable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who has been reproved by him for Heroditus, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here today. You know, in my prayer after our time of repentance, um, I said very something very simple, but hopefully very true, is that 
our hearts are very complicated. We don't know our own hearts. We know what God reveals to us or allows us to see. There are circumstances in our lives that sort of highlight one part of who we are over against something else. But as we know in our lives, circumstances keep changing. Our moods keep changing. And this instability in our hearts really causes confusion to, to all of us. We go to the Lord for help. We often want the Lord to simply give us a remedy, give us that magic pill that I can take so that I can sort of be myself, whatever that self may be. But there's something beautiful about what the Lord does. The Lord loves you in all of your complexity. The Lord loves you with all of your personalities, if I can put it that way, the way that you appear before between one person and another, perhaps. The lingo today is code switching. But the Lord knows you and the Lord loves you. God does not want to solve problems just to solve problems in your life. God wants you to draw near to him and be with him in the midst of the problems that you have. Because the issues and the problems in your life are usually more complex than simply someone sinned against me. It's more complex than simply saying that I don't know where I'm going in my life. It's more complex than you yourself are aware of. And so the Lord simply asks you, come and sit with me. Fellowship with me. Be with me. For there you will find peace, there you will find rest, for my yoke is easy, says our Lord. Today, we see in this passage a prophet who emerges in Israel. Again, after about 400 years of God's silence, a man by the name of John the Baptist emerges and people are flocking to him. And they want to know what does the Lord have to say about Israel? But also, what does the Lord have to say about me? Who am I? What am I to do? What's my purpose? What's our nation's purpose? And this man by the name of John the Baptist 
has a message for us today that's very similar to a message that he preached back then. He quotes in verse 4 here, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. He says that there will be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hills shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways. When we hear that passage and see that passage, we should think about the word shortcut. What Isaiah is trying to do is give us a shortcut. A shortcut to a certain goal. And this is something that we can all relate to. I remember in my junior high days, I would walk to school. It was probably about about a 20-minute walk for me with my sixth-grade legs. I was about four foot eleven, four foot nine, four foot eight or something then, right? And I remember me and my friends, we would try to find every shortcut possible. Cutting people's lawns, um, going over fences, whatever it took to get to our goal. Not to get to school, but to get back home. Get back home. And there are great stories of people who go on quests, who go on journeys. And even here, as we saw last week, when the people will take their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and then return back home, they will look for ways that would get them where they needed to go. And they would say things like, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to climb this hill that we could take it down, make it easier for us to get home? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to go down this, this valley and come back up? If someone could fill it so that we just walk straight. Wouldn't it be great if, if we didn't have to go on these winding roads to get back home? But someone could just make a highway straight through so that we could back, go back home. And Isaiah's message to us is about a shortcut. How do we achieve the goal that we desire? But there's something different about what Isaiah wants for you and what we want. You see, the path that Isaiah is trying to trailblaze is a path for you, a shortcut, if I dare say, for you to see God's salvation and for you to meet God and to enjoy his presence, for you to see Jesus and Jesus alone is the shortcut, is the 
the winding road we're trying to make straight. It's the obstacle of the mountains we're trying to get rid of. It's the obstacles that having to go down a, a deep valley to fill so that we can see the living God and rejoice in his presence, to see his salvation and be made full once again. And this is a question that pops up in our hearts. This is not the existential question of our day. I want to get somewhere. I want to resolve something. How do I get there? And oftentimes the question that you have, it's not that it's a bad question, but it's not the best question. It is a good question to ask the Lord, where do you want me in my life? What do you want me to do? It is a good question. How do I love my family? It is a good question. How do I be a, a better student, a better employee, a better mom, a better dad? There's a good questions. But the underlying questions to all of that that John the Baptist came to prepare is our goal is to see God and a salvation that he gives to us that will permeate all those other concerns that we have. And so we must ask ourselves this question. Does my heart truly desire to see God? The most beautiful thing about living in this time of redemptive history is that there are no obstacles anymore. There is no mountain that you have to tear down. There is no valley you need to heal. There is no crooked road that you're trying to follow. Everything has been torn down by the blood of Christ. Even your own sins, even your own worries, there's nothing that can separate you. That your blessing is that right now in your heart you can go before the Lord and say, Lord, show me the salvation that you have promised me. Lord, continue the work of salvation that you started in me. Lord, be with me here today. Show me who you are and God will answer. And God has answered his people for generations. God has answered people in this room as well. And John the Baptist's message follows this line of thinking. He issues three warnings. And he has, well, three charges, if I can put it that way. The first warning is that he came to give a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That the straightening of this narrow path was for us to realign ourselves with the Lord again. 
to know that we are forgiven of our sins, to know that God is here to not only placate our guilt and our shame, but also in reality to take away the abrogation of the laws that we have committed against God. John the Baptist came to say, listen, I am here to expose all that which is making you weak, all that you have done to oppose our God. But I'm also here to tell you that as you repent, you will be forgiven. There's a part of us that does not want to see this. There's a part of us that never wants to repent. And there's a part of us that never wants people to expose our sins. And when someone does expose our sins, you know what happens for most of us? We fight. We make excuses. We say, let me explain to you why I'm like this. But God exposes sin not to crush you. But God exposes sin in order to make you a, a man or a woman of God after his own heart, to give you even more security in him, to give you even more hope in him, to give you the ability to love people. There's this new awareness of who you are that you have to receive from God. And the only way we can receive that is if we're open to allowing the God to show us Our faults. And then you start to live with a new awareness of not only who you are, but who God is. And that's beautiful. You know, the, the, the example I, I give for my own life, and this is a silly example just because this topic is really so serious. But I, I remember, you know, when I w was in my house and my, we, we had no kids yet. And you walk around and you, you're free. I don't, I don't hear anything. My, the house is just a house. I, I move around and I do what I want. After we had kids, when it was nap time, you had to put them down for a nap. All of a sudden, I heard every creak in my house. Just Every step that I took, I knew where the creeks were. Why? Because you step on that one creek and the child cries and it's just all over. An hour and a half of work of trying to get your kids to sleep, it's gone. But there's something about the house that I, I never knew before because I never paid attention to it. I realize now that there are creeks all over the house. They're everywhere. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, why couldn't we build a house out of just concrete? You know, but, but that wouldn't that'd be expensive. But in your own life, when God exposes through other people or even, even through your own realization that there's sins in your life that needs to be repented of,
Don't fight. But come to t- in tears with the Lord and say, Lord, is this true? Is this who I am? Is this what's become of me? Are these my patterns? If so, forgive me. If so, help me. The path that God's trying to make straight for you is a path to Him and to no one else. It's a path to Him and to grow in your love for Him. The second warning that He gives is that your identity as a Hebrew or your identity here as a Christian is not enough. You can't simply say that my my path is fine, my identity is fine, just by saying, I know Jesus already. Jesus is my Savior. That, that's, that's all I need to say. I go to church. That's, that's all I need to say. That I've been born in a Christian family and that should be enough of, of all I need to do. And you simply rest And you have no desire to see God in his face. And this is what happened to the Hebrew nation. This is what made God stop talking to the Hebrew people. Their hearts became hardened. They became proud of who they were. Even here, God calls them a brood of vipers, you snakes. Because they rested simply in the moniker of being a believer, of being called a Christian. Now there's a warning for us here, is there not? We make obstacles now to get to know the Lord instead of seeing that there is no obstacle to get to know the Lord. We have built illusions up to see mountains where there are no mountains, to see valleys where there are no valleys, to see crooked roads when there are no crooked roads. Satan himself has exasperated that and and told us the same thing. Look at how high that mountain is. How can you even climb that mountain? How can God even forgive you? Why would God even see you? But they don't exist. There is no obstacle for you to draw close to him. There is no obstacle for you to savor reading his word. There is no obstacle for you to go in deep prayer before the Lord. There is no obstacle. All has been made clear for you. All you need to do is simply drop to your knees and pray. All you need to do is, as you're driving, pull your car over and pray. All you need to do is just to open your eyes and see that Jesus is right before you. We can't simply rest and say, I'm a Christian because I'm always a Christian. 
God has changed us and has made the way and the path right for us. Third warning. And this is sort of the, the key. He warns us, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We here in this church, we, we belong to the Reformed tradition. And we, and we believe that Paul himself has taught that we are saved by grace and grace alone. That there is nothing that we can do, no works that we can do, no moral living that we can do that will change God's mind, that will merit salvation or merit favor for him. We're saved by sheer grace alone. We believe that. But there's something about knowing God that changes the person's heart and changes the fruit that comes out of the person's heart. And that fruit that comes, that is constant with repentance is what John the Baptist is warning us about. When you repent, when you help someone else to repent, when you walk with other people, is the fruit that comes out, fruit pleasing to the Lord. Do people see love? Do people see the sacrifices you make? Do people see that joy? Do people see you as a peacemaker? Bring about peace to all people. Fruit that is produced that is not in keeping with repentance. Fruit that simply looks inward at yourself and seeks to justify yourself is not the fruit that God wants. Fruit that looks inward is not the fruit that the Lord wants. What does God want? He charges three groups of people. He says to the crowd, he says, here is fruit in keeping with repentance. Do you share your abundance? Are you generous with what you have? Do you understand that, the, that what you have been given has been given by, to you by the Lord to steward, not for you to hoard? When you have something that you don't need, do you, do you always, it's the first thought in your mind, I need to save this just in case three years from now I need this. Or it's the first thought in your head, I have something that I don't need. Who might need it that I can share and give it to? Because I dare say this, that there's more reward for you when you give and give away to help other people. Yes, that might mean three years from now you have to spend an extra 50 bucks to get that blanket that you thought you might need. But guess what? For those three years, all the things that you've given away help more people for 50 bucks three years later. Are you generous? Do you give? That's, that's the fruit in keeping repentance. It's seeing the need of other people in the present, not to see the need of yourself perhaps six months, a year, two, three years down the line in such a way that you hoard everything. Are you generous? 
This is what he says to the crowd, to everyone who's there. Regardless of their socioeconomic standards at that point, just all the people who are there. Are you generous with whatever the Lord's given you? Then he talks to two other groups of people, the tax collectors. The tax collectors were probably the most hated people in all of Israel for, for several reasons. One is because, well, they, they, tax, they collect taxes, but because they extorted people. They, they took money. They had false weights, and they took the money, and the extra, they, they took more than they're supposed to, and the extra money they would pocket they also hated the tax collectors because they realized that the money they would give went to the Roman coffers, and these Roman coffers were, were used to fund soldiers who would just oppress them. So you're paying for your own oppression as well. What a deal. But John's message was very simple to the tax collector. Just don't extort more money than you're, don't, don't take more money than you're supposed to. Be honest. Be just with people. Don't use people. That is fruit in keeping with repentance. To deal justly with all that is around you. To the soldier, he says, don't accuse falsely the people around you. Be an upstanding servant of the state and make sure all people are treated fairly. The fruit in keeping with repentance is not the fruit of feeling good about yourself. Let me say that again. The fruit of keeping with repentance is not the fruit of feeling good about yourself. It's not simply about being able to exhale and going, ah, oh, okay, I feel at peace. My heart feels good. Brothers and sisters, especially those who are younger in your faith, those are actually more rare moments than you think. when you feel that complete, complete peace and you can exhale and going, everything is right from, with the world. That's, those are actually more rare instances than you think. But the fruit in keeping with repentance is what? It's loving other people. It's pursuing justice. It's pursuing generosity. It's being fair to others. Now the application for us, I hope, is pretty clear after these three points. What do you want in your life? What do you want? I mean, what do you really want? Some of us just, I just don't want to 
be frustrated anymore in my life. I want my life to just be clear. I want to get married, have 2.5 kids. I want a house. I want, I want to take at least two or three vacations a year. I want my spouse to love me. I want my kids to adore me. I don't want to have to worry about money. I don't want to have to worry about other people. And if I do help other people, I don't want them to become trouble in my life. I just want them to be, you know, just enough. And then when I tell them something, they listen and they go away. Right? I just want, that, that's my straight path. That's the soft prosperity gospel that I rile against all the time. But there's nothing here that promises that. There's nothing here that indicates that God wants that for us. And if you want to say, Pastor Young, aren't there other parts of Scripture that say that? I go, show me. Show me. Go look. But your desire has to change. Lord, I want to see you. Because that mountain that's preventing you from seeing God is actually the path of least resistance that you're taking. That valley that's preventing you from seeing God is actually, as Jesus says, that wide road, that easy road to destruction. But that path that you see to God that looks like self-denial, that looks like repentance, that looks like suffering, is actually the narrow path, the clear path, the straight path to God. And it's that path that we must take to see Him to love him and to be loved and acknowledged by him as well. You see, our problem is that the easy path has become the hard path and the hard path has become the easy path, right? And the easy path is actually the winding road. In the hard path is a path straight to the Lord. Stop going in circles. Walk straight with Him. Secondly, look at your fruit. Look at the fruit of your lives. Now, I'm not going to say that God does not care about what's going on in your own life. He does. And actually, God knows more than you do. But Scripture promises us that God is here and present comforting us. 
and that our duty is always to love other people, even in the midst of our distress. Even in the midst of our difficulties. To seek how to love people. When we see people do stuff like this, we're like, this is supernatural. I can't believe that family down the road who's going through so much hardship. I don't know how they volunteer all their weekends. How do they do that? As Christians, that needs to be our staple of who we are. To bear the fruit of loving and seeking others. Brothers and sisters, our Lord has come. Our Lord is here today. Ask him to take the scales from your eyes if you still see obstacles to him. Ask him to give you eyes to see that that path that's straight, that looks like simply all suffering, is actually the road to glory. Don't listen to the father of lies who tell you, listen, you go around this way, it'll be easier, and you'll still get to your destination. You won't get to your destination. Don't fool your own heart into thinking that the road of easiness is the way to, to know the Lord. It's not. But walk strong with the Lord, for the Lord has always already walked that walk for you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. And we thank you for this time to hear your word and to see your servant, John the Baptist, Lord. Father, the first sermon he preaches or the purpose that he came here, Lord God, was to expose sin and to show people they need Jesus. But the news wasn't, well, you've got to figure out how to get there. But the news was that Jesus has come not only to be the way or to be the goal of the way, but Jesus has come to clear that path as well. And so we cling to you and you alone. Help us as a church. Help us as individuals. Show us, Lord, our sins that we may repent. In our repentance, Lord, may the fruit of forgiveness be seen and shown. And help this church, Lord, help CCPC grow in our faith to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.